The deep woods have been a place that seems like the swamp has really covered far and wide. The stories from the woods are always strange, they're always unique, and they're always downright creepy. Even the one that my grandfather swears is true, where he saw a back-flipping yeti punch a grizzly bear in the face so hard that the grizzly bear turned into a goat. Now, if that doesn't make any sense, hopefully these stories will. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true Deep Woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, please be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Swamp folk, it's the holiday season, and I know you're probably looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized and ready to go on these jam-packed days. Well, Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. Factor can help you fill up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Now, I know it gets really stressful when you're trying to get your meal prepping all together during the holidays. You can choose from 35-plus weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals to support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat within just two minutes. If you're somebody like me who's a bit of a health-conscious nut, likes to look after their nutrition, meal prep, hit the gym a few times a week, all that good stuff, then Factor is definitely for you. It's dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around less than 550 calories per serving are always made with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, asparagus, and other great things. So what are you waiting for? Join me and many others in the swamp today. Go to factormeals.com slash swamped50 to save 50% off your order. Again, go to factormeals.com slash swamped50 to save 50% off your order. Christmas Camping Trip Gone Wrong by Anonymous Hey Swamp Dweller, I wanted to say that everything in the story is true and happened to me and gives me chills to this day. I live in southern parts of India, where I go visit my grandmother's house every year during the winter and Christmas time. I was 12 years old at the time and was very excited to go there. Once I reached it and spent a few days there, my three cousins planned an overnight camping trip in the woods near my house. We had gone camping in the same place before with our parents. It was fun, so I was excited to do it again. In the afternoon, we left carrying tents, sleeping bags, torches, and other necessities we would need. We went deep into the woods at this point. We decided on a place to set up our tent. After we set up our tent, we decided to go to a famous waterfall in the area that people often visit. Keep in mind, I also had brought my dog at the time, a two-year-old German Shepherd and my three cousins were at the ages of 15, 14, and 17. So, I was the youngest. We left to see the waterfall and followed a well-marked trail in the mountainy woods. We reached the waterfall and spent some time there, sitting on a vast tree log playing Uno to keep us entertained. Before we knew it, it was getting dark and we decided to go back to our tent to sleep. It was a five-person personal tent, so it was big enough for all of us including my dog, but it was already dark when we returned to our tent. 
We turned on our flashlights and headed back on the trail. Soon after we started from the waterfall, the path split into two tracks. We had been here multiple times and didn't ever remember being two routes. But we did pick one and continued walking. Five minutes later, my dog started acting scared and was whining. Soon after that, the woods went utterly silent. It was almost instantaneous. This creeped all of us out, and I felt like I was being watched and felt like there was this insane sense of dread enveloping me. We kept walking back, slightly faster though. As soon as we started walking back, I could have swore I started hearing a whistling sound coming from behind me every so often. At one point all of us looked, but the whistle sounded very faint and from very far away. It creeped me out, but I didn't think much of it. Around a minute later, I heard the same whistle again, but this time it sounded a lot closer and a lot louder. When I looked back, we saw a pair of glowing yellow eyes, and we pointed our flashlights at it. It seemed to disappear upon the light hitting it. My dog at this point started sprinting, and so did me and my cousins. It felt like I ran for hours before we finally saw our tent and quickly got inside. We were all terrified of what had just happened. We had no idea what we just encountered. We all tried not to make a noise and fall asleep. I was terrified and still felt like I was being watched and I couldn't fall asleep at all. And I just remembered that the tent was old and had a couple of small holes here and there. What seemed like an hour later I heard footsteps outside the tent, sending shivers down my spine as it circled our tent. After making a full circle, I noticed it stopped and I decided to peer out one of the small holes in the tent. What I saw, to this day, still gives me nightmares. I'll describe it the best I can, and I guess this is how I can describe it. It was very tall. It was some sort of creature with long arms. I assumed it was at least seven feet tall. It had antlers and huge claws covered in a red liquid what I presumed to be blood. It had sharp teeth and glowing yellow eyes. It stood on two legs like a human. I froze. I could barely breathe. I watched it stand there for what felt like hours before I saw it bend and run away back into the woods on all fours. As soon as the sunlight was visible and I knew it was daytime, my cousins and I quickly packed up our stuff and got the heck out of there, terrified. I have never told anyone this story except my grandmother. The scarier part is that three months later, a group of three people were declared missing in that same forest. Only one of their corpses were ever found. Forest Gravesites by Haka Palita Hello my fellow denizens of the swamp. I'm a long-time dweller and genuinely enjoy the many stories I've heard over my time on this channel. I'd like to share my short story here. The stories I want to share mostly are in the deep woods and probably involve cryptids of some sort. Maybe it's because most of my home country's landmass is covered in forest, and if that's not enough, a third of the nation is made up of swamps and different water bodies. So there's plenty of land seldom trodden. Ancient deities and mystical creatures still hold their place in the sacred groves. Ancient deities and mystical creatures still hold their place in the sacred groves, amongst glacial erratics, and in our folklore. Forests 
have always been a source of life, security, and protection for our people, and we highly respect them. Even the city slickers feel at home in the woods and look for strength from them. If you visit any city in my country, you'll see many parks and woods even in most urban environments, and get fresh air poisoning at the airport. Our forests also hide plenty of other things. One of these things are forest grave sites. Mind you, we have plenty of scary things here. Brown bears, wolves, bobcats, moose, and other critters that could definitely destroy you. Yet, the most challenging thing I've ever seen was either that time when I saw a moose, or its back end at least, disappearing into the spruce trees ten meters away from me. Or, when my dad decided to follow me on a bike when I went to tend to my duties and scared me to get a funny picture. It's too bad he aimed the camera too low, so my near-death experience face after getting scared with a loud snarl didn't get immortalized. I don't know if this story is particularly scary or anything, but it definitely was strange. I've been working as a caretaker for one of these grave sites since I was a preteen. The site itself is simple. A single tall concrete headstone with almost completely faded text and a small decoration added some years ago. A small patch of grass stretches out from both sides of the stone. I'd clean the site, plant new flowers, and maintain the area through the summer so tourists can visit it. I've noticed over the years that the atmosphere there can be very different. Usually it's quiet and calm. You can see a long distance between the tall pines. It's quiet because the nearby birds have been startled into momentary silence. But a few times, I've felt quite heavy when visiting this area. Like there was this burden on my shoulders. You ever get that feeling like somebody's watching you and you just can't see them, but you know somebody's watching you? It felt like that, but somebody was watching me from the trees, forcing the animals to remain silent. The typically calming sight of tall pines and good visibility feels uncomfortable because you can't see what's causing the heavy feeling. Now these graves are a remnant of our independence war, belonging to the soldiers from the invading country. There's plenty speculation about how they came to rest there, but the first victim of war is always the truth, so I won't speculate. I just know these men have been denied their resting place in their homeland or even on holy ground and their families lack closure, so maybe that's why there's sometimes such an uncomfortable feeling there. Nonetheless, I soldier through the feeling and do my work. The sense of relief when leaving that area was honestly palpable. Like a large boulder falls from my shoulders and I feel much lighter. Afterward, I feel sorry for those young men who died so far away from home, never to see their home again, even if they were an invading army. Like I said, it's not particularly the most scary event, but it is unsettling and strange in its simplicity. Satanic Teenagers Stalked Me in the Woods by Anonymous It was the fall of 1986. I was 23 years old. I had never really been scared in the woods before, honestly. I always felt like the wilderness was my safe place, somewhere I could go and relax and get away from the stress of life. I've never seen a Bigfoot or a Skimwalker or a Boogeyman or whatever in the woods. As a lineman for a small town in western Kentucky, I have seen a bunch of crazy, 
but, you know, nothing like that. My only real hobby was hunting and fishing. Back then, it was easy to find a place to hunt or fish, just by stopping and asking the landowner for permission, and most were eager to have the deer population thinned out as they were destructive eating young soybean crops. This was also coal country, and back in the 50s, there were a lot of strip mines that were left, and it made a lot of the land unusable, buildable, or farmable, so much of it was open for hunting. It was October 1986. The time hadn't changed yet, daylight savings time, and it was still daylight till just after 7pm. I left to work at 4, ran home to change into my camo. It was bow season in Kentucky, my favorite season. I was going to hunt an area that was special to me. It was in an area that we will call Coon Ridge. This was a very remote area with broken farmland and wooded areas. The area I was hunting in were the remnants of an old log cabin that my grandmother grew up in, so I always loved to be there. The area was a mile or so from the nearest house and not very easy to get to. After parking, I decided not to unload my three-wheeler and just walk the three-quarters of a mile to where I was going to be hunting. I was using a summit climbing stand, so I had to carry my stand and my bow as well as a fanny pack with my knife and flashlight. I had to walk halfway around a cornfield. The corn had been cut yet, so I stayed in the lane left by the farmers so they could get to their equipment to the upper end of the field. The field was rectangular, and the upper end was much higher in elevation than the bottom, where I had to cross a creek shin-deep with water to enter the field. At the top of the field, the right-hand corner was where I was going to enter the woods at. It was the highest point of the field. I had to pick my way through a thick blackberry and sawbriar thicket, but managed to find a game trail that led me through it, and it finally opened up into a nice hillside with large trees. After finding a tree suitable for my climbing stand and getting set up, and a little bit of a climb, I was set in hunting. I love to watch nature sometimes. The deer hunting was just an excuse to be in the woods. As a lineman, I had no fear of climbing high, so I would get as high as I could. This time, I was up around 20 feet before the tree canopy started blocking my view. It was around 5.30 when I was settled in in my stand and had an arrow knocked. All was calm, with birds and foxes and squirrels making all the noise. Around 6.30, the gray squirrels came out and seemed to be everywhere. At about 7, I was thinking about starting my way down the tree and at least being on the ground by dark. I regularly stayed in my permanent stands late as to not spook deer close by, but they were well marked, and most of them I had added reflective tape along the trail to make them easier to make out. But this day, I was in my climbing stand in an area I hadn't been in at night. I was about to start down when I heard something walking, so I waited. It sounded like a deer in the thicket, but I never really could get a look at it. It was 8 at this time, and close to a full moon that night, so from my high vantage point, I could see pretty good in the woods and felt like I could still shoot up to 15 yards. But it was after shooting hours, so I started down. As I did, I could hear the loud crashing of a deer that must have spotted me, moving like a sloth down the tree. On the ground, I quickly secured my stand and bow and looked in the direction of the way I had came in and turned on my flashlight. Now, as some of you probably know, the woods look so much different at night. 
especially in the dark, and sometimes it's downright foreign when you turn the flashlight on. It's not bad in mature woods with no undergrowth, but I was walking into a thicket. I walked along the edge of the thicket for a while, trying to find the trail. I could not find it. I was having no luck. It was almost nine now, and I was ready to get out. So I started finally picking my way through the thicket, keeping the moon on my right shoulder, and finally, I came out into the field about 25 yards away from where I went in. As I stood there, picking the thorns out of my hands and legs, thinking the adventure was over, I surveyed the lane around the field, and in the light of the pale moon, I saw it. Now, when I walked in, I came up the left side of the field around 200 yards to the end, and then turned right, and walked another 100 yards from where I was. It was on higher ground, and I could see around the field where I came in. When I walked in there, there was nothing on the trail. I hadn't heard any equipment or ATVs, so I was shocked to see something in the trail, and not something small. It looked like it was six feet wide and six feet tall, just standing there about halfway up the field trail. It was the only way out, so I never hesitated. I started walking back to there, to where the trail turned. Whatever it was, was standing there. Hoping it was just a strange shadow, but it ended up not being that, I grabbed an arrow from the quiver, remembering my knife was in my three-wheeler. I walked fast and never broke stride. A hundred yards away and it did not move or make a sound. I have walked loudly straight toward it for 200 yards. It's really there, in my trail, blocking my only way out, is what I thought to myself. As I got closer, I could make out what it was. It was two people, standing side by side, and this unnerved me even more. Why the hell would anyone be standing out here at 9.15pm at 40 degrees in the dark? Nobody should be here. I keep walking, 20 yards away, and I see that this is a man and a girl, maybe 20 years old. 10 yards away, and I'm walking towards them, but they're still not making a sound. And they just stood there. When I got about halfway to them, I kind of expected them to jump on me, but they never moved. I said, kind of cold tonight, isn't it? But they never made a sound. They never moved. I just kept walking. I turned to keep an eye on them. I thought, okay, this is it. They never turned around, never even moved their head. I crossed the creek and another hundred yards, I made it back to my truck. For some reason, I was even more uneasy approaching my truck. It was just so quiet. All I could think of was someone was waiting to ambush me. So I kind of eased up on it very quietly and watched it for about three minutes before I approached. It seemed fine, so I headed back to my truck. As I left, I tried to figure out how they got there, but I never saw another vehicle. I tried to put it behind me, but the next day at work during lunch, I was going on a run to get some food and noticed all four of my tires in my truck were low. After inspecting them, they all had about 10 to 15 roofing nails in them. Someone tried to sabotage my truck. I had to put entirely new tubes in them when I got home. Something odd was going on in those woods, and after that... It always felt like someone was watching me when hunting this area. I never hunted it again, alone, and never parked off the main gravel road, and never found out who the two young people were. We never came across any evidence of pot or any other drugs all the years we hunted it. So, your guess is as good as mine.
Something Strange in the Port Huron Woods by Anonymous. To give you some backstory, I moved from Port Huron, Michigan to a small, quiet town in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan back in June. But I have been going up here since I was a baby, and I have seen some unexplainable things in the woods around here. Anyway, this happened about two days ago. My friends were visiting their grandparents for a week, and the day they left they invited me and my brother over to hang out one last time before they left. So we went over there. Their grandparents own 30 acres of land, and most of it is wooded. He has some toys that we can ride on the trails with. One is a side-by-side -side and the other is a four-wheeler. So a group of us piled up on the side-by-side -side and two went on the four-wheeler. They were ahead of us by just a little bit so I figured I'd try to scare them by taking another trail and pulling out in front of them. But, we waited in the same spot for five minutes waiting for them to pass us, but oddly enough they never did. So I drove back to the house, and they were there waiting for us, visibly shaking. So, me, being the kind of guy I am, asked what was wrong or what they saw. They said they saw a side-by-side -side following them, but it was all dark and they could not make out any figures in it. Mind you, at the time, there were five people in the side-by-side, -side, so I had them take us back to the spot they said they saw this thing. I'm an avid hunter and fisher, so I can track reasonably well, and I know what tracks belong to what in the local area. As soon as we pulled up, I noticed a completely different set of tracks. They did not belong to anything my grandparents owned, so I followed them for a while, but they just seemingly stopped and vanished into thin air. So again... We went back up to the house, and that's when things really got weird. One of our friends decided she was going to take a walk into the woods alone. I said, you know that's not a good idea. There's a pack of wolves spotted half a mile out of town yesterday. She said, I know, and with that walked off. I decided to follow her along with a group of her brothers and sisters. As we rounded the first corner, she was gone. And I mean gone like disappeared into thin air gone. I followed her footprints, but they stopped abruptly, and that's when I got nervous. I've been listening to the Swamp Dweller channel for a little over a year, and I know not to go in the woods alone, so I went back to the group on the trail. As we turned to walk the other way, there she was, standing right there, scared the absolute hell out of all of us. Then she said a name I will never forget. She said, Francis. Apparently. There was a guy who lived in this house some years back. He killed himself there, and his name was Francis. Apparently, he's been stuck at this property ever since. I'm not so sure if it's scary, but it made me uncomfortable in that situation. Sorry if it was kind of long, but I hope you enjoyed reading it. I'm sure I'll be writing to you again in the future. Stories from a Former Hiker by Anonymous. Way back when I was in my mid-twenties, in the late 1980s, I used to be a hardcore camper and hiker, but given that my home state of Rhode Island is like the size of a postage stamp, relatively speaking anyway, I exhausted a lot of the more local campgrounds quickly and began to look for something a little wilder. I'd heard a lot of great things about the Appalachian Trail, how hiking was a badge of honor for a lot of people who shared my passion for the outdoors. 
My uncle, on my dad's side, had hiked the whole thing over the course of a summer back in the 50s. He had never shut up about it. Whenever he would see me, he would just talk about it and bring it up, and the subject of hiking came up all the time. He made it sound magical, like there was true wilderness out there, just waiting to be explored. And so, I made up my mind to mimic the journey my uncle took over one summer. I could not get the time off work to walk the whole trail, but if I timed it right, I could walk the southern portion of the trail from Harper's Ferry to Asheville, North Carolina, in just a couple of weeks, fulfilling a hiking dream I had for what seemed like an age. Then, in the summer of 1989, I traveled down to Harper's Ferry by bus and by train with all my hiking and camping gear on my back. After picking up a few final supplies for my journey south, I hiked up onto the Appalachian Trail and kicked off the journey of a lifetime. The first few days were tough, but I got used to the level of strain quickly, and I'm telling you I've never been as hungry or tired as I was on those first few nights up in the Appalachia. I brought a hammock with me, as I heard some intense stories about the bugs down in West Virginia. Nasty little beasties with names like the Assassin Bug, which basically has a big spike for her mouth, were cow killer ants, whose stings are so painful that they are said to have killed an actual cow once or twice. That had to be pure rumor, but it was intimidating nonetheless. So, every night after the day's hike, I would take it out of my pack, unroll it, and tie it up between two trees before getting some shut-eye. It did not make for the comfiest night's sleep I ever had, but I was not complaining, especially if it kept the black widows off me. But since I was out in the woods, most nights without cover, every little hooch or squawk from nocturnal animals would wake me up. It was irritating, sure, but it was part and parcel of being out and bonding with nature. So, this one night, I wake up sure I had heard something rustling in the leaves close by. I shift in my hammock, peering over my shoulder, and then feel blood run cold as I see a big, dark shape looming. I froze for a moment, feeling my eyes adjust to the darkness, and I could tell that there was a large person looming right over me, just standing there, statue still staring. In one fluid motion, I rolled out of my hammock and hit the ground running, bolting off into the trees. I did not give a damn who the hell was standing over me. Whoever does that kind of thing did not have the best intentions in the first place, and I was not about to stick around to make small talk either. I ran a safe distance off into the woods, caught my breath, and circled around, and then started sneaking back towards my camp. My intention was to make sure it was clear before gathering up my stuff and moving to a safer spot. I took it slowly, scanning the darkness for any sign of the shadowy figure eventually finding my way back to my camp to discover it was completely deserted, with all of my gear apparently untouched. I had this horrible feeling in my gut that whoever had been standing there had just backed off to watch from a distance and would wait for me to come back to get my stuff before ambushing me. If they were not there to steal from me, it was obviously that they wanted something else entirely. I dreaded to think exactly what that was, but regardless... I managed to grab my stuff and get the hell out of the area without anyone managing to sneak up on me. The next few days I walked hard and fast, exhausting myself in any attempts to get as far away from that area as possible. 
After that, I figured I was safe. No one had bothered me during the previous few days hiking, so I figured I would be okay from there on out. But I was wrong. Hideously wrong. Every single night since that incident had me struggling to get sleep. I kept picturing that person standing over me, just staring down at me in the darkness. I had no idea how long they had been there, or what they had wanted, or what they had in mind for me, and I was only glad as hell that I had gotten out of the area. But still, I did not start to be able to feel safe again until I had bought some fishing line from Sporting Goods Store. I found it in a small town I passed through on my way down the trail. I could then use this to make trip wires that ran between the trees close to where I was camping. There would be a couple of empty cans of beans thrown together, and whoever snagged their foot and wire would make them clink together, alerting me to their presence. I had one big scare when a fox snagged the line and I rolled out of my hammock with a knife, ready to take on whoever was there, only to see the furry little guy scurrying away in the midnight. I did end up laughing to myself about that one, and after that, I stopped sleeping with a knife in my hand, because all it would do was take one slip and I would have, you know, obviously messed myself up, and I would be in a world of trouble. About a week went by and I had just about gotten over the whole shadowy figure in the night incident. I had to be about 100 miles away from where it had taken place by now, and I had no trouble on any of the other nights, save the incident with the fantastic Mr. Fox that about scared the hell out of me. So, with the help of my little tripwire alert device, I had just started being able to get to sleep without any trouble again, but that night I woke up suddenly to find that I could not move properly. I could not bring my arms up at my sides at all, and the material from my hammock seemed to be pushed up right into my face. I was cocooned by it, like the fabric was wrapped around my entire body. This had only just registered in my half-awake brain when I heard fabric snapping. Then boom. I hit the dirt, very hard, completely knocking the wind out of me. I had no idea what the heck was going on, struggling to break out of the hammock, only I could not. This is when I felt the hammock being dragged across the forest floor. Then it hit me. Whoever this was was dragging me across the ground and had bundled me up in my own hammock with cord. They then cut me off the ropes and then are dragging me off to God knows where. I screamed at the top of my lungs for whoever it was to let me the hell out of there, but no one responded. All I could hear was the sound of the hammock's fabric rustling against the forest floor. I knew I had to think fast, or whatever was going on would not end well at all. As I said, I had stopped sleeping with my knife in my hand, or nearby me in the hammock, because that was just an accident waiting to happen, so I had obviously nothing handy to cut through the material or to make any escape. Or so I thought. In a flash, I had an idea. A few years back, my dad had gifted his old wristwatch to me. It was a reliable old thing, but I had just one complaint about it. The little latch thing that kept it tied to my wrist was torn with age and was a little sharp from the years of use. I had managed to accidentally poke myself a few times with it in the process of picking it up or putting it on, and one time it did draw blood. I knew what I had to do. I unbuckled the watch as quickly as I could, which was not easy considering I was getting dragged along the ground in pitch darkness and managing to pinch the sharp clasp between my thumb and index finger was even harder, but still I managed it, and when I did, I began to rake it against the fabric of the hammock. It was just as effective as cutting canvas as it was cutting skin, and although it took a good few tries, 
It did not take long until I was able to see a subtle glow of the silvery moonlight from the other side. I kept cutting, as quickly and quietly as I could manage, until there were so many cuts that I could rip myself out of that canvas cocoon like some terrified newborn bursting out of a womb. You'll have to excuse the analogy, but in retrospect, that is exactly what it seemed like. I was born again that night. I got a second chance at living. Escaping that hammock meant life, because I know that staying in there would have meant death. For the second time in about ten days, I found myself bounding through the dark woods. Only that second time, the terror in me dwarfed what I had felt the first time around. I don't even know how I managed to escape. Assuming it was the same figure standing over me from that first night, they had somehow managed to track me for more than a hundred miles and sneak past my tripwires. They were a far better woodsman than me, probably physically fitter too. I just know that by the time I reached a house with its lights on, and I turned to look behind me as I was banging on the door, there was no one else around. The family who lived there were kind enough to put me up for the night after I called the local sheriff who came out in the morning to help me retrace my steps through the woods. We found my camp but not the hammock, and although I told him everything in excruciating detail, I could tell he was extremely skeptical of my story. He even suggested I had just gotten lost and frightened in the dark and ended up jumping at shadows, maybe even had a bad dream that seemed a little too vivid because of the lack of proper rest, but I know it was real. Just from the way my palms are sweating writing this, I am certain that night really did happen the way I remember it. I never did finish that dream hike. The next day I caught a bus back towards Harper's Ferry, then took the train all the way back to Providence, and I have only ever told a handful of people what happened out on the trails. I figured not many would really believe me. They would just think I was telling a campfire tale or something. I did not tell my hiking uncle for the longest time. I thought he would just gloat or whatever tell me I did not have it in me to do something that tough. But when I finally did tell him my story, I got a reaction that I was not expecting. He just nodded and told me that there were some nights that he did not think he would make it out alive either. That there are people who live up in those mountains who have been outlaws for generations, who live outside of society, outside of the natural order of things. He had some close calls himself at times, bumping in the people who were clearly not nearly as friendly as the majority of West Virginians, and sometimes seeing things he knew darn well he was not supposed to see. But just what those things were, he did not seem to want to say. I always told myself to try my little Appalachian adventure another time, but maybe when I'm older, maybe wiser, and when I have gotten something a little bit bigger to defend myself with, the trail will still be there, waiting for me. But then again, so might be whoever tried to drag me off that night. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. If you enjoyed these stories, be sure to elbow that like button in the face so it knows you mean business. Be sure to subscribe if you're new. Be sure to turn on those notifications so you don't miss a new episode. I upload them multiple times a week and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to submit and potentially be shared in a future episode, be sure to send it in at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. You can also submit it at reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. I'd love to see your story. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium, but you still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, 
you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you made it to the very end, I would love to know what story tonight was your favorite. It helps me pick better stories in the future, and it's nice to know what you're enjoying. If you made it all the way to the end, the code word for today is Rusting Tree. Be sure to use that in your comment down below to confuse anybody who didn't get to the end. I'll pin the funniest one at the top as always, and thank you guys so much for supporting the swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you guys. 